Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them, would you, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're learning from God's Word what His heart and design is for the family. We're calling this series Family Matters. And the title of our message today is Husbands Matter. Husbands Matter. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are his members, or we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, if you did look and read ahead in the text, you'll notice that wives got about this much space in the Bible, and husbands got about this much space. And husbands have something repetitively told to them over and over again, because things change over time, and marriages change. And if we're not carefully investing in our marriage, our homes that were once filled with love and passion and excitement become cold, crusty, and very difficult to live in. Marriage, we've learned, is something that requires constant love and attention, and it demands flexibility, forgiveness, and fortitude. Marriage requires a husband that's leading his wife, seeking the Lord for the care and concern of his home. But unfortunately, as I continue to survey the body of Christ, I've come across way too many men, too many husbands, who simply give up and abandon the leadership and headship of their homes. Just recently, one more time, Marie and I have learned of another divorce in our church or at least in the early stages. And I have to say, it makes me sad, and it makes me angry, because more and more people are just giving up on their marriage, just signing the papers. And I believe God's given me a word, the way it all went down this week, I think God's given me a word for you to fight for your marriage. I believe it's time for you to fight for your marriage. If you are the one serving the papers, take them back. And if you're the one that received the papers, don't sign them. That's a question that comes in a lot to Calvary Live. I've just been served with papers, Pastor Ed. What am I supposed to do? Don't do anything. Pray. 
You're not on any obligation to sign those paperwork. You're not on any obligation to go through the process. Wait it out and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. I recognize that things are not always what they need to be and sin has destroyed and hardened hearts beyond repair. But we don't know yet how hard, heart you, how hard your heart is. We don't know. And it's unfortunate that for a variety of reasons, divorce is increasing all the more. And it's just sad. It ticks me off, the enemy taking out another family. You know, you just think, well, you know, this is the best thing for us. Man, it's going to be so many consequences and pain. I don't even know how to describe it for you. It's going to be really bad. It's going to really mess with your kids. Even as some of you are the product of divorce. And you know, yeah, you made it through. And yes, God is healed. But it was hard. It might even still be hard. And of course, the banner, you know, I always think I need to, to clarify this. Even though if you've listened to the series, you know, there's physical abuse, or nobody's telling you to stay under that ever. Go to a safe place and get help for sure. But even so, God can change a heart and change a life. And husbands, could it be that your house is in disarray because you've surrendered the leadership of your home? That you've just given up? That you fail to stand? in the leadership position that God has given you in your home. Many have checked out and either left the home or surrendered the leadership to their already overburdened and overloaded wife. And as a result, families are out of balance. Spiritual things are not addressed. And Satan's having a field day among Christian families. Now, you might be a husband today and you're like, wait, well, Ed, it feels like you're putting it all on my shoulders. It's not on your shoulders at all. It's not on your shoulders. You're not to carry burdens God never intended you to carry. You're to cast your cares upon the Lord. He's going to enable you to lead your home in such a way where he will be glorified. So when you think about it, you go, well, it's all my responsibility. Listen, your responsibility is all your responsibility. You're right. There are no excuses. There's no excuses about working two jobs and 10 jobs and never being home and getting, there's no excuses. You have a primary responsibility as a husband to love your wife. That's the command here. Did you see it? Husbands, love your wives. In case you missed it, verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives. Did you miss that one? Verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in so particular love his own wife as himself. Hmm. Yeah, the biggest tragedy in the Christian home is when the husband fails to take the spiritual lead that God commands. Now, there are a few reasons for this. First of all, number one, I found that some men uh, refuse to take spiritual lead in their home because some wives refuse to be led. They just won't allow it, and they fight against every single inch. They won't give an inch. The wife simply refuses to be led by her husband. Maybe she's been leading the home for so long that now the husband wants to lead it. Like She's like, no way, I'm not giving this up. And there's a, there's a dysfunction in the home. That's a possibility. Maybe she lacks trust or doesn't feel the love and respect that she needs to yield. And like she would learn last week to submit to her husband. I, I understand that. Number two, sometimes uh, men fail to take the lead in the home because some husbands just don't know how to lead. They've never been taught. They've never been discipled. What does it mean to lead? 
and they didn't have a good model of it in their own home. Still other husbands just are afraid to fail and they don't want to step out into something because if they fail, then they'll look bad and they'll be embarrassed. And, and I think another reason is just, hus- just husbands just don't want to lead. They're just like, hey, it's fine the way it is. No big deal. And I'm not going to lead. But when you choose to not lead your home, men, you are living in disobedience. God, remember we learned last time, said that you are the head of your wife. That's what the Bible says. Not in, a, not in a way where you harm or hurt her, but in a place of responsibility. God has given to you in the order of the home a responsibility to lead your wife. And if you have children, to lead your children. And remember, you're not leading as the head of your wife as if you're independent and you're the final word. No, we learned last time in Ephesians 5 from 22, 23, and 24, we learned last time that Jesus is the head of you. So you too are under authority. I am under authority in my home, even though, even as I'm to lead my home. Families don't need to be in disarray, church. Your family doesn't need to be in disarray. It doesn't need to be divided. It doesn't have to be dissolved or end in divorce. Husbands, you can lead your family by loving your wife. That's where it starts, by leading your home. And wives, your role is to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And your choice of willful and loving submission is an act of worship toward Jesus and obedience to his word and truly a gift to your husband, a gift to be received and enjoyed. When you choose to submit, ladies, when you choose to submit, what you're saying is, I trust God, I trust that my God is larger than any situation and any person in my life. And so I'm going to submit to him and to those that he's placed in my life. And remember, we learned, and if you weren't with us, you should get the study. We're not talking about independent submission because we all live in a, in a realm of mutual submission. So there, it's not like, okay, the only thing a wife does is submit, and the only thing a, wife, a husband does is love. No, it's a two-way street. So the wife primarily has a need to be reminded of submission because that's a primary issue. That's a primary issue that comes from the fall a desire to rule over, a desire to be in charge. But men, a primary issue in your life is to love your wife and to give her the attention that is due. There is a beauty and dignity in submission and there is a beauty and honor in loving and a loving, sensitive husband. And so three times we are told, husbands, love your wife, love your wife, and given a couple of examples. Now, as you look in verse 25, the word love, remember that the New Testament that we're reading right now was written in the common language of the day, which was the Greek language. So the English here is representing a Greek word that was very commonly used in the first century. Now, the Greek language has different words to describe. It's a very descriptive language, has different words to describe love. That, that back up that word love. Now, here are three primary words. The first word that's used to describe love is eros, and this speaks of sexual love. Uh, it's where we get our word erotic. The Bible isn't telling your husbands eros your wives because typically husbands don't have a problem with that. Typically. There's a second word that describes love, and you'll be very, this will be very familiar to you. It's the Greek word phileo. We get our word Philadelphia, and we know Philadelphia as the city of 
Brotherly love. You'll never forget phileo again. Brotherly love. Phileo is a brotherly love. It's a friendly love. It's a buddy love. And men generally don't have a problem with that with your wife. Being a friend. That's not the word. The word used here is a word that was invented on purpose. It was not a common Greek word. It was invented from the church to describe the love of God toward his creation. Once again, another familiar word to you. It's the word agape. It represents a self-sacrificial word. Now, this word in particular is the verb form, agapeo. It's an action. Men Love your wives sacrificially. And that's really what it requires. Love your wives sacrificially. You see, most husbands don't have a problem with phileo. They don't have a problem with eros love. They have a problem with agape love in their homes. Our love tends to be very conditional. And God, if you're wondering what that love looks like, God demonstrated his love for us by sacrifice. In Romans chapter eight, verse, or excuse me, chapter five, verse eight, the Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So real agape love shows up in the worst of times. I mean, it's great to love when things are going well, but even in our worst condition, the demonstration of God's love is really seen and felt in him sending his son to die on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And here we have a demonstration where real love, agape love, acts. Agape love sacrifices. And agape love gives willingly. As we learned in a previous study, it's a million little things all day, every day. It's not the attitude of, well, you know, I told her I loved her on our wedding day. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. Well, you know, if she ever needs one of my kidneys, I'll be right there. Most likely, she's not going to need one of your kidneys, but she does need your daily love. It's the attitude of, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to die for Christ. And you might even have that on your car, the back of your bumper, you know, on your truck. I'll die for Christ. But we happen to live in a time and an age in our side, our, our culture, where Most, if not all of us, have never been asked to die because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But a greater sacrifice is to make the commitment to live for Christ. God does require that every day, all day. And so it is with our wives. Husbands, love your wives. And he gives the example in verse 25. Just like Christ loved the church, he gave himself for her. He gave himself. That's a sacrificial love. That that is a love that has been demonstrated by Jesus for us. He says another example in verse 28, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. As in your own body, you take care of yourself. You make sure you're all taken care of because he who loves his wife loves himself. In many homes, there is selfishness and self-centeredness that has broken the bond of marriage and it it shouldn't be so. We shouldn't be in a place where our home is upside down because of our leadership. Men, the essence of love is sacrifice. Yielding your priorities and your goals to the service and sacrifice toward your wife. 
In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. That's number one. There's four things I want to show you, men. That was number one. How are you to love your wives? You're to love them sacrificially. To think of the agape love of God. The same way you receive love is the same way then you give love. Secondly, we're to live spiritually. We're to love our wives spiritually. Notice again in verse 26, that you might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, give yourself to your wife. Love her sacrificially. But also wash her with the water of the word, setting her apart as the special person that she is. She, she holds a absolutely unique place in your life that no other woman holds. No other woman holds the position in place of being treasured in love like a husband's wife, his own wife. And, and that's thrown in, I think, on purpose. This isn't a general call to love everyone's wife. It's not a general call to be nice to women. Although those are great to be caring and loving and tender to, to other women. You know, obviously we don't abuse women. We don't look down on them. That's not what he's teaching here. He's saying, husbands, pay attention to your own wife. Spend time with your own wife. As we remember on this series, if you go to the app and you go to the website, we're going to add a bonus study that I just taught in 1 Peter on, on husbands. And it's in Peter that he says, men, dwell with your wives with understanding. And the idea of dwelling is exactly what you mean. Stay put, focus on your own wife, and study that woman the rest of your life. Study new and fresh ways how to love and serve her unconditionally. And so that study will be posted when this one gets posted. They'll see them up there on our app. But here you have a motive. And notice he says that in verse 26, that your goal with your wife is to set her apart and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. And you're, you're like, okay, so here's what you do with your wife. If you don't want a place to start, here's what you start. Read the Bible and pray with your wife. And let me just say at the outset, because I, I shared this last night, Marie wasn't here, but Marie's here. It's a very hard study to teach when your wife is looking at you in the front row. <laughs> because I don't teach to you as a man that says, you know what, my home is exactly the kind of home you should have. Because this happens to be an area of reading the Bible with my wife and praying that has gone up and down in all 32 years of our marriage. It has been a challenge. It's been a challenge because of schedules. It's been a challenge because of when we go to bed. And I, but I'll tell you the biggest challenge is because I haven't taken the lead in this. Whenever I don't take the lead in this, it suffers. And when it suffers, my marriage suffers. I just, I can see it and I experience it. The real question is, is do I care about it? And husband, it's the same for you. Like, if you came into our office and said, you go, Ed, you don't understand. This and this and this and this and this and this and you, she did this and he did that. You know that we're going to stop you and say, stop, 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 stop. Are you guys reading the Bible together? No, you don't understand. He's a jerk. We'll get to that in a second. But, but are you praying together? 
And, and if he's not reading the Bible with you, you're not pray, are you praying and reading? Because what I'm hearing right now doesn't sound like the fruit of the Spirit flowing through your life. Because isn't that what's needed in a difficult marriage? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Isn't that going to get you through the rough times? And if you both are off your game spiritually, then your home is going to suffer. But listen, whatever the reason is, husbands, this is your responsibility. This is yours. And it's an easy, it's one of those gimmies. I mean, there's so many gimmies in the Bible. It's just very easy. And yet can be so hard. Being together, even on coming to church on Sunday, it's like, wait a minute, I read the Bible with my wife. We come to church on Sundays. Dude, you're not reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. You're not reading it. And that's not what we're talking about. No, Sunday's not enough. It's a great motto as we do read the Bible verse by verse, but like you just open it, let the word. Now, one thing I do think in our home is we do talk about the things of the Lord a lot. I mean, we, as we'll see when our, with our, like we, we do talk about things. We talk about what she's studying, the women's study or what's coming up or maybe helping together. There is an atmosphere of the word, but there's a power when the word of God is read together. There's an intimacy that's built because one day, men, we're going to need to present our wives to the Lord. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure, but let me put it a different way. One day, men, we're going to give account for how we led our homes. And one thing that's not going to fly uh, in the presence of God is this phrase, it's her fault. Whatever is her fault is going to be her fault. But when you're standing before the Lord, it's you that will be given account for your life and your leadership. Even as Jesus, notice it says in verse 27 that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Your motive is to present to the Lord a glorious wife through your service, your sacrifice, and your spiritual leadership. I think about in the room today, how many successful men are here? Successful in your career? Successful perhaps in your hobby? You look back maybe in your latter years and you're like, man, I've lived a successful life. I've accomplished the goals that I've had and I've, I've made these accomplishments. I, I've stayed in the same job or, you know, you can think of a thousand things that you, well, God wants you to be more successful as a husband than any of your accomplishments. He wants you to give the same kind of care and attention to your husbandry as you do to your hobby and as you do to your career. And as I mentioned in 1 Peter, when I taught through that, one of the decisions, I didn't know that it was going to be such a beneficial decision for me, but one of the decisions that I made as a husband early on is that I just made my wife and kids my hobby. I don't have a hobby. I don't do much. Um, maybe I could or should, but I don't. I mean, I guess if I do have a hobby, it's reading, but most everything I read is about the things of the Lord so that I might be a, a better husband, a better pastor, but my hobby is my wife. That's who I want to hang out with. That's who I want to talk to. My kids, raising them. Of course, we've raised our kids into adulthood now. And now Marie and I have to deal with a semi-empty nest. But it's not that big a deal because we've been waiting for this forever. <laughs> I mean, if you look back in our marriage, there's never been a time when we didn't have kids because we started out backwards. 
And so launching into a new season, this is just how I've chosen to live my life. And, and it'll all be sorted out. I hope Marie's appreciate it. I hope the kids appreciate it. But I also all get sorted out. Like, you know, one of the big difficulties that we learned during COVID was, is that a lot of families were all messed up because they had to spend so much time together in the same house, together, a lot, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that had some negative results. But for Marie and I, that's pretty much how we've been living our lives. We have just spent a lot of time together. So with COVID and all the things, the restrictions, it's like, well, just more time together. It didn't really have an effect. Because a tendency for men is to waste their time, their precious, valuable time outside of the home. And you just have to understand, when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. When you sow to the flesh in any other way, you're going to reap corruption. And it's about at this time in the message, you can kind of feel the room. I hope you do. I feel it. That, you know, my husbands are like, Ed, 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 you have gotten too close. And you might even start to be upset. And you go, I'm not you, and I don't have to do it like you, and I, whatever it is. But listen, God wants your home in order. This is, these aren't marching orders to become a tyrant, to become a dictator. That's not what Paul says at all. I mean, some of you, this verse just awakens in you a desire to pay attention to your wife. As the direction is, husbands, love your wives. You know, wives, you had a hard time perhaps with submission. You had no reason to tell me what to do. But you learned that submission is a beautiful thing of worship. Beautiful to give within the home. And that it's not difficult to submit to a husband that loves you. It's not difficult to say, no, let's go on. Let's go together. Let's accomplish this together because we'll be the strongest together than we ever will be individually. But men, you, you, you just got to get outside of the, of the habit of just blaming your wife for everything. It, it's not your wife's fault. It's like, well, Ed, you don't know my wife. I know she said I wasn't Jesus Christ last week. Well, she's no Jesus Christ either. And so what do you do? You find every wrinkle, every spot, every blemish in your wife spiritually, and that's all you want to talk about. That's all you want. That's, that's at the forefront. You don't understand. She used to be, but she is now. She used to be, but she is now. You know, she doesn't want to read. She doesn't want to pray. She doesn't want. It's all okay, there's obviously wrinkles and there's blemishes and there's spots in all of us. Of course she has faults. And of course she has problems. And there you are, you know, I don't like this about her. And if she would just, then our marriage would. But I want you to consider something and it's, it's kind of tucked away in an obscure passage that it would be easy to read over. And, and let me show you. Turn over to 1 Corinthians with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You've got to see this, especially you guys. Um, you know, and even guys, you don't have a Bible right now, you should get a Bible. And you should use it and carry it and read it and let the Holy Spirit, you need a Bible. You, you, you can't just sit around like you want to lead, you want to show your wife that you're in the Word. And so you need a Bible or you know, if it's up on your phone or iPad, that's fine. But you need a Word that is obviously showing that you're interested, that, that you're the example, that you're leading. And I mean, just think about it. You, you, being in a church without a Bible, I mean, 
No, that's not, it's not. I was trying to think of an example, like being in McDonald's without a Big Mac or something. I don't know. I can't think of one. It's one of those things I, I can't think of. So let's get back to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So this is so important. And, and it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I don't know. I've read that before. I never saw it. So, so you've, got, you've got the ability to see every spot, every wrinkle, every difficulty in your, in your wife. And if she would just, then you would just. Notice with me in verse 7, chapter 11, verse 7, uh, and notice what is being said here. It says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. Pause there for a second. You probably read this before and go, what does face co- head coverings and all that have to ever do with me? And you just kept reading through 1 Corinthians and you missed something that's super important that reflects back on your leadership. So, you know, again, this is cultural. He's talking to the church in Corinth about how to operate so they might be a good witness in their culture. And then he says in, at the end of verse seven, mark this, the woman is the glory of man. This word glory could also be translated reflection. Right, So we understand that you're the image and the glory of God. You, have built, you and I have been created in the image of God. And then within the creative order, the woman is the reflection or the glory of man. You go, hey, what, what does that mean? Well, your wife is a reflection of you. Your wife is a reflection of the husband in the home. And if our wives have faults and failures, and our wives are spiritually lacking, the first place... For you to go, you know, you're like, you don't understand, Ed, and you see this in her, and you see this in her, and you see this in her, you're trying to convince me, the first place you need to go with any difficulties with your wife is right into the bathroom and look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and take responsibility for your leadership first. Because whatever your wife is reflecting is partially or more than partially due to your leadership. Now, am I saying that you are fully responsible for all the sinful decisions of your spouse? Of course not. But your wife, as much as there's a need to submit, in the marriage relationship, there is a natural following. And whether you like it or not, she's been following you or somewhere along the way decided not to follow your leadership anymore. That's why when you make a decision in a study like this, it's like a shock to your home because you've gotten comfortable with the way it's been. And you just kind of live to that lower level and you have misinterpreted peace, you know, quiet lack of fighting as the way of the Lord, but it's not. And so it's a shock. You're like, what? And so a husband gets excited and starts to go and lead. And then there's a natural resistance because, oh man, oh, Mr. Husband wants to lead now. Bible study, yes. And so you go back to what? Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And if you both choose, look at how fast the Lord can work in your home. Before the fingers of blame come out, husbands, before the words of accusation fly, how's your spiritual life personally? Because here's the tragedy. Those feelings of anger and disgust often lead a man to neglect his wife. If all you do is focus of the blemishes and the spots and the wrinkles spiritually in your wife, then you're going to be very angry, maybe even resentful, perhaps even disgusted to the point where you're going to neglect her. And her response to neglect 
her response to your hard heart is going to be a hard heart. And then both of you have hard hearts. And you know how that ends? Divorce. That's how it ends. You start hearing things like, well, I don't feel like I love anymore. And all the, all the types of spiritual warfare that comes simply because we don't come back to what's basic. Basic. I love how God makes things simple for us. He's not saying that marriage is simple, but the responsibilities that we have within the marriage, those are simple. And we need to get back to simplicity. Spiritual love is the cement that keeps the home together. It's what makes leadership and submission to leadership possible. In sacrificial love, husband washes his wife with the water, with the water of the word and speaking to her words of, for life and godliness. Ironing out. Isn't the Lord ironing out the wrinkles and spots in your life? I mean, which one of us stand here without any problem spiritually in our life? God is ironing them out. Teaching us. That's the process that we notice in verse 27 that we should be, that the wife should be holy and without blemish, that the church should be holy and without blemish. Which brings us to the third point today. Not only are men to love sacrificially and spiritually, but thirdly, they're also to love their wives strongly. Notice again in verse 28. So, because of the motive of Christ, what he's doing in our life, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And now Paul's taking us back to the oneness but he says, if you're looking for an example, look to God the Father, his sacrificial love. If you're looking for an example, husbands, look to Jesus Christ and his love for the church. And if you're looking at an example for love, look at yourself and how good you take care of yourself. This is not so much the care and concern of our bodies physically, although that can be an application of some guys are just totally into their bodies, into health and all of that. That can be. But that's not really what Paul's addressing here. What Paul's addressing here is a selfishness that puts yourself first. And I'll tell you, that's in difficult times in marriages, a lot of times it's because the husband's not loving his wife because he loves himself more. It's not a lack of love. It's a lack of where love goes. And so he says, hey, just understand, nobody hates themselves. Everybody loves themselves. So much so that they will cherish and nourish themselves. And those are beautiful words as they're applied to our wives. A nourishing love, the idea behind this word is to nurture and care for. And a cherishing love has the idea in the original language to keep warm, to care with tender care, to value. And that's the type of love that will bless a wife. The kind of nourishing and cherishing love that Jesus has for us. If you love your wife as Jesus loved you and do to her what Jesus has done with you, you choose to wash her with the word and pray with her, pray for her, you will take her to spiritual heights. You'll take your marriage to another level. Along with that, you also choose to get rid of things that are harming your marriage, get rid of worldly things. I think of how many husbands have wrecked their marriage through pornography. I think of how much pornography is in this room right now. 
and you think that that is cherishing and honoring your wife, it's the exact opposite. I think of maybe the flirting or the things that are going on. You think that cherishes? You know, I remember talking to guys. It's like, well, you know, you can look, but you can't touch. No, you can't look. No. What do you mean? What, what is that? What message does that send to your wife? What, what, what do you think? This is everybody it says, love your own wife. Isn't that what it says? Did you guys see that in the Bible? It's your own wife. No, you can't do things like that. But that's kind of how the world has taught us. That's the model of manhood in the world, but that's not the model of Christ. He is singular focused on you and me today. He is singularly caring and nourishing and cherishing. As we learned last time, being honest with one another, talking to one another. Wives desire this gentle, caring, loving interest from their husbands. They don't want to be pushed around or bullied. Now, don't misunderstand me either. Like, you have to have some new personality. Like, she married you because she likes you. I hope. I mean, I'm sure she did like you at one time. And you liked her. And then life happened, and the kids happened, and bills happened, and, and then the simple things got neglected. And now, man, you're so much farther away than what you started as. But you liked each other. It's not like you have to become somebody other than you are what God is asking you is for you to take who you are and submit it to Christ. But you're not going to be a bully and you're not going to push your wife around. Marriage is a picture of relationship and the relationship is between Jesus and his church. Jesus doesn't push you around. He doesn't guilt trip you. He doesn't manipulate you. He leads you like a shepherd. And as a shepherd leads us, we follow the shepherd. And that's to be the husband in the home. You are the shepherd of your home. You are the pastor of your home. You are the priest of your home. Responsible, not just to put food on the table. I know a lot of men, they'll just run out, run out, and, and they're working. Now, I'm not speaking to the guy that has to work two jobs just to make ends meet. I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to the guy that's doing two jobs because he wants to get ahead, and he wants to get ahead. So he's working, 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 but eventually he's working so he stays away from home. And you know, it would be great to use that energy to invest in your wife. Maybe you need less. Maybe you drive a different car or you live in a different house so that you can have a home. <laughs> and you focus on your wife and you minister to her. And you don't try to avoid her and use different things to say, well, you know, I just want to get ahead, Ed. Yeah, relationship, marriage is a relationship. Jesus pours himself into us. He has your best interests at heart. Husbands, love your wife sacrificially. Love them spiritually. Love them strongly. And then finally, love your wife wholeheartedly. Give yourself wholly to your wife. What does it say in verse 31? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In your marriage, you are a new entity a new family. You, you are required to leave your father and mother and to cling to your husband and wife, period. This is a direction that's repeated to the husband. It's repeated to the husband. You are supposed to leave your father and mother and give your wife wholehearted, complete attention and commitment. That is marriage. 
Marriage is a new relationship that requires the husband no longer cling to his mom or his dad. That is a big problem, you know. There is a big problem of husbands in particular not cutting the apron strings with their mom. Not so much dad, but sometimes it's dad. Most of the time it's mom. You see, when you get married, when we got married, we were to leave our former family unit and create a new family unit. That's not to the neglect of our mom and dad, or it's a different relationship now. Parents, we are raising our kids, teaching them and leading them so that they might too get married, if that's God's will in their life, and start a new family. We're, we're to raise our kids to launch them off into this world, ready as full, complete adults, ready to take on the world like you did. And so not only is there a conscious decision for us as husbands and wives to leave our father and mother, but listen, moms and dads, you have a responsibility to make it easy for your kids to leave you. Firsthand, I've witnessed the interference of in-laws that have made life miserable for children, not making it easy. You have a responsibility. Make it easy for them. May, may help them. I mean, put their stuff outside if you need to. Help them. But you know what I mean. You, you aren't there meddling. You're not there as a busybody. You're not there critiquing their spouse. They're not there going, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. As much as you husbands can't be going, you know, my mom used to cook it this way. All right, dude, go let your mom cook it then. <laughs> well, you know, my mom did it this way and my family did it this way. Fantastic. You have a new family now. And this is the woman you married. And you're to learn to show her preference and love in how she chooses to run her home. And it really is an agreement between you two. But if you start playing that, well, this is what my mom did, this is what my mom did, you're going to ruin your marriage. Because as much as we love what your mom did, you have a new relationship. So parents, make it easy for your kids to enjoy their new relationship. Don't make it harder for them. It's hard enough, isn't it? Marriage is hard enough. They have meddling in-laws that get involved and make things very miserable for the poor kids. And we step back and give them the word and encourage them in the Lord. I can't think of any Christian believer, as we close now, I can't think of any marriage I've ever officiated whether I've done the premarital or we've done it here in the building, you know, it's just, a, marriage is amazing. It's, it's just the, the ceremony is so wonderful, especially when we stand right here, we cover those doors back there where the windows are and we have the, the, the bride usually in the nursing mom's room and the guys are up here and we're all ready and we're all excited and they're playing the music and there's all the tension. It happens here and outside as well, you know, if we have a wedding outside and, and it's just an exciting time and it's so emotional and here comes the bride and there's tears and this guy's crying, that guy's going to fall over there, you know, she's like, what am I going to do with the flowers? Everybody's all set up and we're just like, man, and I'm whispering, it's great, isn't she beautiful, it's wonderful, make sure you bend your knees, if you don't bend your knees, you're going to fall, like we're having these little conversations and this is great, this is the day you waited for and I'm hyping it up, hyping it up for them. I've never met anyone that said, you know, this is a great day, this is wonderful, I'm going to give it six months and if it doesn't work out, I'm going to try again. <laughs> never, never, ever, never. That commitment that's made on that day, the commitment you made was forever. It was forever. 
It didn't matter if you were sick for in sickness and in health. You said, yep. You said, if we got money, we don't got money. Yep. Which most of us didn't have anything in the beginning. So it's like, all right, we're going to enter into marriage poor as poor can be. But we're going to pay the bills with love. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> but we've, many of us started out that way. We had nothing. But that's the commitment we made. We got nothing. We got a lot. doesn't matter. I love her. If she's sick, I'm going to stand by her. If she's healthy, I'm going to enjoy it. Like, you made that commitment. Even if you went to the courthouse, you go, Ed, I didn't have a formal wedding or anything. We just went to the courthouse. Even if you didn't verbalize them, those are the commitments you made. You didn't make a commitment to try it out. You didn't make a commitment, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll try someone else. I've got my options. No, we entered in committing ourselves to each other. Because your wife is a gift to you. And ladies, your husband is a gift to you. And you committed publicly, by oath, that you would love till death do you part. And so, friends, brothers, Christians, sisters in the Lord, God's responsibilities in the marriage are so profoundly simple. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's not complicated. It's not difficult to figure out. Sometimes it's challenging to apply. I get that. But you have a built-in help inside of you. The Holy Spirit is here to help you be the husband and the wife that you actually want to be. I know you want to be happy in your marriage. I know. God wants you to be happy in your marriage. I know you want to be, have a home filled with joy and pleasant riches in all the rooms, like the proverb says. Yeah, so does God. He wants you to have that too. He wants you to be happy, but even when things are not so happy, he wants you to enjoy each other and enjoy his presence. And I pray that God's spirit would supernaturally support our marriages and reignite a flame of passion and love among us in our homes for years to come or until the Lord returns for his church. I mean, who knows? You know, you may look back and go, well, there we are. We've been married 70 years, 60 years, maybe like this couple. Maybe one day this can be your testimony. I read recently of a husband and a wife. They were talking together one night, beginning to think back on the many years of their marriage, 60 years of marriage, and all the love that they've shared. And so the wife looks at the husband and says, you know what, honey? When you were younger, you used to nibble on my ear. And the husband gets up and starts to walk out of the room. And the wife says, hey, where are you going? And he says, got to go get my teeth. (laughs) Father, we thank you for the privilege of being married and for reigniting a passion of love among us. We admit to you our weaknesses and our failures, and we ask, God, for your forgiveness. We know none of us stand with a perfect marriage. And none of us will. But you can reignite a flame of love, unconditional agape love, from us as men for our wives, to appreciate them, to cherish them, to nourish them, to dwell with them, to understand them. But also as wives, that they too would respond in submission, that they would not fight every decision, they would not fight every step, they would not put their foot down and never give an inch. But rather, Lord, make us moldable and shape us so that we might become a great witness in our community in these last days. You know, if if Christian marriages aren't making it, man, 
How is it that those apart from Christ are going to make it? And even as I think of the divorces that have popped up in the last year or so, I pray for them. It's never too late. They don't have to sign. They don't have to go through it. They can, they, they can fight for their marriage. They can fight for righteousness. They can get into their prayer closet and they can pray and pray and fight on their knees for their spouse. Fight that any new relationship would be broken. Any adulterous thoughts would be taken away. That pornography would be ripped out of their husband's heart or their wife's heart. And they can fight for what is right in their homes. And they can draw their strength and their sustenance from you. We can learn how to abide in you. Enjoying you first and foremost. And then we might turn and serve our, our wives and turn and serve our husbands. So I pray, God, among us today, rescue us, change us. If there is one man today that's going to change his mind about leading his home, may that man be strengthened in his decision and resolve to lead his home and to love his wife as Christ loved the church. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.